Hi everyone, welcome. I'm so glad to be speaking with you. It took some energy and time to really be able to do this this week, but I felt like I wanted to share and I'm excited to still share some of these things on my mind for you. I hope you're having a good Christmas time. At least for me, it's been pretty busy, but all full of good things. So I hope you're really enjoying yourself and really finding Christ in Christmas right now. So let's jump in. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, just some stories I've had in my life, some cool experiences, talk about the millennium a little bit, and talk about kind of reflecting over my past year and what I've learned. Um, I choose a word of the year every year, and um, I chose the word open, and so I'm just going to kind of explain some certain things I've seen that I've been blessed, blessed by as I've been open, as I tried to practice that principle of being open. So let's jump into it. But what I have noticed here in the past little bit is just the promptings I've had and how I'm blessed if I do heed those promptings. And one example being, I went to the Orem Temple um, open house and I didn't think I would, I should or needed to necessarily. I didn't even really think about it too much. It was just in my subconscious that I had heard about it and that maybe it would be a good idea to go. But, um, it was only three or four months ago that we had a, an open house for the Saratoga Springs Temple. So I started to have this feeling and kind of brought to my awareness like, oh, there's a there's an open house, just a hop and a skip and a jump over there to Orem, Utah. And it might be a good idea for me to bring my kids to go do that because for as often as I can put my kids in that situation to have them have spiritual experiences, understand the gospel even more, and honestly, these open houses are really fast that then maybe they have more questions about something else. Just the more opportunities we can, the better. And it's such a blessing to have temples. So I decided, yeah, okay, I'm going to do this. And so I went while my husband was working and so I, it was just me and my kids. And it was a little bit more to handle because they were really busy that night and they were having a lot of fun energy and it's really good. I try to remember, it's okay. They're excited. They're fun. They're happy happy kids. They have a lot of energy, but just about died when my daughter was crawling on the altar and then she did it again in another room. So I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed and really wanted to have them feel the spirit, at least learn a little bit. And I, I, I'm really glad I did because I went and saw this, um, painting and so there are a couple things. This the painting that I saw and just thinking about all the people there in the, the temple open house. There was just a ton of people. So starting with the painting. So there's this painting that is was chosen has been chosen by the church to be the cover of the general conference addresses. And it is a depiction of the second coming. And from what I believe, and I think many people come to believe, and probably the artist itself, I've yet to find the name of the artist, is um it's a modern depiction of the of Christ coming because people are wearing blue jeans in this picture and belts and they just they look like they're from the modern time and it was just so wonderful to be able to get to um, that spot in the Orem temple there's a full depiction of this painting and it's um, in the ceiling room waiting area where you wait to go to, to a wedding or a ceiling and when I finally saw I was floored. I was so excited to see it. I didn't realize it would be in there. And I had noticed this painting before, 
on the church website when they were um, advertising for general conference and just how cool and the kind of the talk going around um, of course I love to be a part of the second coming dialogue on you on YouTube and um, just kind of hearing other youtubers talk about that and some other Facebook groups talk about like look what the church chose a church the church chose the second coming uh, a second coming piece of artwork to put on their general conference addresses and so I'm like oh that's such a beautiful piece of art and I just was so excited to walk in and see that it was right there and being able to see the details and it's kind of like some of those other paintings with their details and when you get to see it a little closer and so my kids were still pretty busy running around but I was able to be there um, and take a small moment to um, take time and really see it but it, it was really funny how it, it went quickly how I was only had a moment to really feel that spirit of it but in the moment of it, seeing this detail that there's this mother in this in this in this artwork, there's a mother pushing her young child towards the savior, and as I looked at that little child, she looks like maybe like one of mine in this um in this art piece of art, because she has blonde hair, blue eyes, just this little blondie, and that's what I have. I have blonde kids, as you can see, but um, it was really quite beautiful to see and then it's funny in that moment that's when my kids started to become even more rowdy and to a degree I knew I needed to go and handle them and to be um, keeping the peace for everyone else there at the temple open house and as I yeah as I took that moment to see that mother pushing that child towards Christ I felt the spirit tell me you're doing it okay you're doing it right this is where you need to be and you're doing good things you may not always feel that way but you are and then in that moment, <laughs> I had to go attend to them. And I was a little bit annoyed, I guess. I really was feeling that witness kind of come over me and giving my spirit bumps. Um, but it knew, I knew that God was with me. He's aware of me. Even though I can't be at all times to feel the spirit, I have to, um, you know, I had to tend to logistics with my family. But I knew that he understood and knew me at that point. Another thing I noticed and that was really quite um, touching to me was I'm walking that spiral staircase and it's not necessarily spiral but you're going up up kind of a circle in a circular motion to get to all the, the floors in the Orem Temple and um, there were so many people that night and I thought oh surely it'll be fine we'll go and I think that it was going to be done with all the open house tours in a week but and so I thought oh everyone's kind of got to it but there were still so many people. And usually I don't tend to like crowds and um, I know the whole idea of what most people feel like is when they're in a crowd, they're like, oh, there's just two, two people-y. And it did not feel that way. That's what was so, that's what's so beautiful about our gospel and the spirit that is so specific to our church is this feeling I have um, with how I view the world around me and people is I want to have them see it just as much as I do. Had this, had a, it was a different feeling. I could tell it's the fruits of the spirit. It comes to me it, and it's not always me. I have that natural man to be like, oh, there's too many people. I wish I had a little more space, but it's not like, it's not like that when you're at the temple. It's not like that when it comes to gospel things like this, you want everyone to see it. And I, as I was going up those stairs and I was so busy and there's all these strangers and people around me and I'm just here with my kids. I just looked around and thought, 
everyone is loved that's here right now. All these people are loved by God and by our Savior, Jesus Christ. I, I really felt that and knew that they all want to be there and have a little bit of the Spirit in their life, whether they were members or not. And I thought about the, the coming of Christ to the people in America and how they went one by one, as we've read in the scriptures, that they went and saw him one by one and they took their turn. And it kind of felt like that's, that's, um, that's how it is right now. We're all trying to take our time and maybe how it will be when he comes again and we'll be able to spend that time individually with him. And I've always thought about what will my conversation be like when I do talk to him. I do believe I will have a conversation, as crazy as it is, I think, out of all the people in the world. I do hope and believe, I don't know how time works in that way or different spheres of dimensions of time, if I will be able to catch some sort of meeting in time with him in some time of my life or in the, the eternities of how long I'll live. And I hope that you will think about that too because I know he has a specific relationship with each one of us that why wouldn't we have a chance to be able to talk with him individually and what that will be like and what we'll be able to say and as I've talked with other, I've talked to a couple other women that have, uh, that have shared that same thing with me, thinking, what will I talk to him about? What will it be for me? And um, those other two women and me, I think, both shared the same sentiment of asking him, what more can I do? What can I do? Tell me, just, I will do it. <laughs> right? So that's part of what I hope to share with you today. And um, another thing, as far as temples go, I went to the temple this week. I've been going weekly. And um, I had an experience a while back. And if I were to maybe jump into what I've been doing this whole year, I'll jump into an experience that was at a pretty low point within this last year. And uh, thinking how beautiful and wonderful things are now. There are compensatory blessings, absolutely. There's, without a doubt, these compensatory blessings of what I've had to go through, even just this year, though I haven't always been so vocal about comparative to what I've dealt with in the past of my mental crises, but um, just for those that have not, that are listening to this um, and have never listened to me before, in the past, in 2020, I went through a crisis of my mental health. Um, yes, 2020 was hard, but for me, that's just all when it happened. And yes, a lot of people had a hard time, but for me, with all the um, years of having to um, have hard family situations of my past, the traumas of that, being in a broken home, um, also having my husband work so much, my husband and I also being very codependent, having a really hard time with each other sometimes, and getting married young, having children young, um, I always had this, um, always had depression w with each one of my kids and it just would not stop in between. It just kept going for years and years. But I finally had to um, take care of myself in 2020, but it only because I, it got so low and I was becoming suicidal and I had to go to a, a rehab. And I went through lots of different medications and it still didn't get better. I went to a psych ward and then it still didn't get better and then I went to a rehab for a whole month away from my family and things started to get better. And better and I was just so grateful of course it still it came in threes I guess I went to rehab or sorry I went to psych ward the rehab and then I had to go to an outpatient program for my eating disorders and so 
because even after that month-long rehab, it's, it, I was good, but I had fixed and had gotten out of the survival mode that I realized I also had some, um, I also had a lot of work to do with my eating and um, couldn't even fathom that that was really something that was contributing to what I was going through and just my whole body image. So I, I feel like talking about that just as I talk about it, and I've talked about it in a little bit, that that just feels like a whole different person and all that I had to go through, and I'm so grateful that God has gotten me to this point of being so much better. But it still, it still goes on, right? There's still more that keeps happening and things that you have to learn, more, um, more schooling, I guess. I feel like we come to earth and we have to do schooling. This is our, we're in our PhD program, honestly. <laughs> and we are to figure out what God really wants us to learn. And sometimes we keep having the same trial because we haven't learned the lesson. Sometimes it's just what it is. I, I I feel like that it could go either way. But for me this year, um, just kind of zooming in on a particular experience, I was having a very difficult time. And it involved, of course, of us figuring out this home, homestead. And um, there were, I felt, specific specific adversary after me for this particular decision and area that I had to figure out and research and and really find where we need to be for our home. God cares about it and I feel like it's equivalent to temples. Temples sometimes go through a really hard um, time to actually make hap actually make it happen and you know our homes are like our temples so it's been a, it's been a bottleneck for us to really figure this out and um I could tell the adversary is after me and it almost proves me, just as I've talked about here, sometimes even with just the small scope of trying to upload some of these videos, it's been hard. And with how hard it is, I could tell the adversary is after me with different things that aren't uploading, the amount of time it took to get it up on my very first video a few weeks ago, it was, it boggled my mind. I knew something was going on. <laughs> So in that small aspect, even though that took quite a bit of time, this is the huge amount of time over months and the whole year and over a whole year of working on it um, and thinking about it for years of wanting to finally do this homestead that um, I was at a particular moment that it felt very dire. Um, I, there was, there was, a, there was a, not a good feeling going on. My husband and I were feeling that. I felt like, why did I even, tr why do I try? Why does this matter? Well, it's not meant to be. We aren't meant to go anywhere then, I guess. I don't understand why things, I'm feeling this down. I don't understand why we can't figure this out together and get along and our our um, desires are so different from each other. And he likes to be in the city, but I, I don't picture myself in the city. I, I would be very, I would be very sad to be away from the city or in the city for a long time. and. He would, I would be very happy to be out in the country. He would be sad to be not near different things and just trying to figure out, figure out where our life will be. And um, we were having a difficult time. And I, I could tell like there's something, there's something off, really off here with us um, and the adversary. And I didn't feel like it was a wrong thing to do. I could just tell it just felt very dire and there were a lot of feelings of doubt in my, ourselves. And um, I went to the temple one time and I could tell um, I was gonna have to really wrestle with this adversary on me. And um, I was in the social room and I had a sweet, 
girl, probably about my age, just a, just a younger, younger gal coming over, definitely had some wisdom to her because she came over. She's like, I feel like I should come over and sit with you. She would probably seen me kind of tearing up there and keeping my keeping myself together the best I could. But it meant so much to me. It was very simple, not invasive. Just she was there and just knowing someone cares right here. And I definitely could tell that as someone that believes in the Savior that wants to live like him because she was trying to take his place to do that for me right then and there physically for me when he's not here for me right now. But of course he always is, but we are to be his hands and he was definitely, um, or she was definitely his hands. And um, I think about different experiences like that throughout my whole last year um, and how I was open, open to being brave to do something like this. And um, also open to quitting my coaching business and all the time I'd put into that and being open to following the prompting prompting of being at with home with the kids more full time, really jumping in and really soaking in this time that they are in their life and giving my all to my my family, my kids, my community, giving my time to other ways that isn't seen by the world as success or getting the money, getting getting your acclaim. And it was humbling because part of the coaching was that for me. Um, and I also, it's a grunt, it is grunt work to be doing um, the homemaking things. I don't believe motherhood is the grunt work. I think there's a difference between being the homemaker and being um, being a mother and doing your mothering. It's, you know, our motherhood is a relationship and it all still takes a lot of work and there's still some grunt days of that, of course. Late night, wake ups, um, staying up late, even with now my 10 year old being the preteen that he is, that want, he wants to talk more. Um, even those that pillow talk with my husband over trying to figure things out with a particular kid or whatever. Um, there's, that's a, that's a relationship side and that stuff honestly is very difficult and is the emotional taxing things that people keep warning me about. Um, as lovingly as they, they are, sometimes a little condescending, like, oh, they're so young and sweet now that <laughs> if wait till they're teenagers or young adults. And yeah, I understand that it could be get really hard and I've seen it with my own family. I'm the oldest of six and so my my siblings have gone through a lot and being young adults and teenagers and my parents have gone through the ringer on things. Um, but still when they're young like this, it has still been really difficult. And um, yeah, it's it's been it's been a journey to really figure out what my life looks like when I give it to God. When I say actually, I feel that I have kind of gone astray. I want to repent. Not necessarily I've done something wrong. I don't think coaching was wrong, but I needed to fully turn myself to God and um, change and be brave about making those changes. And it still was the right decision though in the beginning to start my business, to start the coaching. And I felt those um, feelings before of this is right to do. I prayed about it then. So why would it be wrong now? And it never was necessarily wrong like that, but things have changed. And once you know something, you if you don't act on it, you're 
you're sinning against it. You've, you're, you're going against a prompting and a feeling that you need to evolve out or evolve in whatever the Spirit's telling you. So as far as um, those three things of um, dissolving my business, um, being a full-time homemaker and mother, doing my whole mother thing that I love and finding the homestead that's been my year and um, having the word open be what I chose for the year. And I had talked about in a previous video that I have a horseshoe necklace and I even showed it to you guys. I have a horseshoe ne necklace and the reason I chose that, and of course I love homesteading and I kind of love that how it had that tie-in of I would love to get horses someday, of course. Who want it? It's so, it's so wonderful to have horses, but they're very expensive and that would probably be one of the last animals I'd get on our homestead <laughs> once the time comes. Um, but it's the whole idea that our circle is open and I do believe in Zion. So it all ties together. God just has this amazing plan for me and this analogy in my brain that I, it works for me. I love seeing details and Easter eggs in my own life that I talked about last time, we are to be open and keep a Zion mentality to let people in. We don't keep our circles closed, like in high school where people close their circles, but to keep them open so that people feel okay and um, feel like they can come join. Same with this openness. I need to be open to what God has planned for me, and it may be scary, it may be hard, it may not be very glamorous, and it wasn't, it was not glamorous. Only thing I guess glamorous about it was I did finally get that homestead, but I've tried to keep it hush. I'm not trying to show off that we finally got that. Um, it took a lot of work and it's still in the progress um, until we finally really close up and move on out there. <laughs> I have to still sell our home right now. There's a lot of things to do, um, but it's it's all about really surrendering our will to him. And it's a little bit more, I do want to talk about um, some things I have learned and if anyone's listening that has had online business as far as courses go um, the coaching world anything in that realm and I know some some of you that are listening may be a part of that because I've been part of these groups with you over these years um, I started in 2019 and I was so excited to find that world that I could do something like this at home and it's something I would love to do to help others and at first it was for health coaching and I and I of course I've always loved health and I've been generally a healthier person but I'm not the typical where I'm I'm really really thin and um, fit that bill of being that stereotype of a fitness influencer a health influencer but more of just your plain Jane just trying to help you I'm a mom I understand and I'm trying to help you in any way in my knowledge um, and um, I've loved I've loved exercise through, throughout my life um, it's my way to keep myself um, mentally well and physically well to an extent um, and again in the ways that I feel like it's not extreme I like to be outside more for my for a run or go on a bike ride and um, you know I'm, I'm practical too I'm a mom I stay home and I have to do a YouTube workout and so all those things combined I thought I'd do the coaching with um, with health coaching and I went to school for it I had to pay to do that and to certify through them and I learned a lot and I did practicing and 
I connected with people. I went to a retreat um, for a few days in Texas and met together with that group and class I was a part of. It was a huge group and class. I want to say it was just like 15 of us. It was about probably 300 different people, 400. And then um, that I was able to be a part of business groups. As I started to finally launch a business, I needed to learn how to build the websites and the funnels and to get people to buy and understand how to do copywriting, how to do automations, how to have um, this client workflow for them once they are on board and knowing how to do um, those onboarding calls, knowing how to do all these things. I haven't thought about it in a little while since it's been a whole year since I've really kind of closed up. Um, but to get a little more into the nitty gritty, it it feels it felt started to feel disingenuous for me what coaching had turned into. Um, that I didn't know if I was ready to take on that kind of battle of really showing to the world or to any clients that I am a different kind of coach comparative to what coaching has become. It's become a money grab. It has become also where people sometimes don't haven't done the work themselves. It's also can Han has become an influencer um, saturated coaching world too, where you're also an influencer and also charging really high tickets that I don't believe is right to do, but some people believe the more you put into it, the more you're gonna get out of it. I think it's just more stress to get out of it and how it can compromise marriages and the money involved with that. And I mean, I, I it, it's been, it's been a, a lot of eye-opening things and how there is kind of, it has a little bit of a cult feeling um, with how they go to retreats and they do things all together quite quite often, and they are doing um, those masterminds that are great and fine, and there can be the good in that. And I'm, I hope anyone listening doesn't doesn't think I'm against that. It's just there. I I believe in everything. There is gray. I don't believe in the black and white. I know there is still some really great good to be done in it. But for me, and I'm allowed to feel that because this is what I am putting on to my own channel. <laughs> talking about my feelings, I feel that to be the case for me. That there is just this feeling I am not wanting to be a part of for me anymore. And um, I guess part of also the prosperity um, preaching, I guess, is kind of, I mean, these things have happened through time. And I mean, it was about 20 or 30 years ago where there were prosperity preachers of, you know, those big churches. I'm only trying to say that as an example, um, that it's kind of the same thing that we're doing now, except it's online. <laughs> and that, yes, you can make a lot. You do this, you do these things right. Um, you kind of sell your soul to it, but <laughs> you can make it work. And yes, it can, it can work for some people um, where they're able to work at home and have that wonderful life with their kids at home. Um, not having their own boss, making really great money. Um, however, it it wasn't working out for me, and I can keep beating a dead horse. But I knew it just I needed to make that decision and be bold. And um, it was only it was only a few weeks ago, or no, last week, where sorry, my dog is over here, <laughs> my English bulldog. So he he snores loud, but um. 
I was talking to my husband and I had one of those, I hadn't thought about all the unraveling I had done for this whole past year until some things finally came up again and noticing some flashbacks from the past of what I have done. And um, I had some grief and loss in realizing, you know, I'm, I'm grieving. I put a lot of time into that. Oh, I know what it was. I did some deep cleaning. <laughs> I, I cleared out some of my old binders of all these, all this coursework I used to do and um, all of also some coursework of business um, courses I was trying to do and how to build um, these different websites and things and how to make um, my workbook like I did and how to make an online course like I did. And I was cleaning those things out because I, 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 I know there's a physical component when you finally move forward if you um, take the physical things out too. <laughs> And I think that whole process of taking those things out, it stirred up some emotions, it stirred up whatever feelings were there um, that I guess I needed to pay attention to and take some time to really, um, to really deal with. And so I feel kind of um, bad though at that time that I realized I needed to take some time and I had a few hours to myself to really understand my feelings, I had, I have been there before and it's just, it had been a while, it had been months since I really paid attention to those feelings again and so I still sometimes follow these people that I used to do business and collaborations and groups with and I've just did that for four, you know, three or four years that I, I, I all those emotions came up again. So anyway, I turned to and I thought in my brain at that moment, I was kind of angry, like I bet other people have been burned or feel like there's been this dark side of coaching. I'm gonna go find out on YouTube. I'm gonna go look and see if other people understand have had the same thing as I have. And of course there has, <laughs> many. And I did find some people I felt a little bit more aligned with that were kind of like me, not maybe so angry and combative and that's just not how I am. So I kind of wanted to still find truth and maybe feeling like there's some things I still need to understand that they have also understood. And yes, they were some good things. Sometimes some of them are a little too feisty. So I didn't realize, okay, that's not for me. But then I had the spirit tell me that is still not where you want to be. Come to me, come to me and surrender your heart and giving what you need. You will get what you need. And I, I felt humbled. I felt, okay, a little bit rebuked. I do need to do that. And I was just so grateful that God was still willing to be patient with me and help me understand that I am human. I get angry. I get, um, I feel sad. I feel like sometimes there's been wasted time, but he's told me there's never been wasted time. And I've felt this for a year or so now that all the stuff I learned for that long period of time is not wasted. And a little bit like what I'll talk about with the millennium is I feel like I could use these gifts and skills, these small skills in my life. I went to school, of course, to BYU for my own degree, but then these other side skills I've learned with doing this business of really inserting myself into figuring out whole websites and automations and email marketing and doing the payment plans and knowing how to do um, website or funnels and all the things like it was really fun to do and learning how to do courses learning how to build the podcast getting it to different spots 
um, and knowing how to market, kind of understanding that, that it's, it's all really good knowledge that I learned and I can keep. Nothing is taken away from me in that. So my dear husband was so sweet to me and he had told me, um, he was kind of observing all the things I was saying and telling him, you know, I feel this grief over what I've done and a lot of years that I put into it and that I can't keep going with it now, now that it doesn't feel right and I don't believe in the path that this whole world is taking with it. Um, and it's hard to really fight against that. I could be an advocate for it against it, but that doesn't feel right that we can reclaim co for what coaching really could be and should be. Um, and that I just want to kind of quietly walk away from that um, because he was saying, um, I could, it shows a lot of humility and I'm trying to find how I can be placed in it without being a victim. And whereas a lot of people, when they go through an unraveling, especially, for example, when they leave the church, they feel like they need to finally make it their mission for a while to go out and tell the world that this is wrong, this is wrong, I was, I was not done well here and there. Not showing maybe some of your, your humility of like, yeah, I made some, I made some poor choices too, or maybe not as well informed, maybe a little bit gullible. And in parts of that, I was and thinking I could really make this work and some people can and so if you're listening and you do make this work that's okay too um but for me and what it was going to work for my family and how the toll it would take my family if I really wanted to get there necessarily for making the money of it and actually getting that flow of clients um it it wasn't <laughs> going to be the case and that's okay and um I I have to, I realize that myself, it's okay. I, I invested too much in this or I maybe spent a little too much in this and it's not like it's all wrong. It's just, for me, it's not right. And yeah, there are some parts of it that aren't right. And I'm gonna quietly move forward and use my time and energy towards other things and not just towards debunking it and trying to prove it wrong and it's a lot of times that way with people who leave the church, how they don't, they can't leave it alone. They have to keep fighting against it. So he was really sweet to me on that. And I just believe that there's, that there's the black and white. There's not the black and white and that they're, we're in the gray most of the time in life. And yeah, so that's kind of some of my thoughts towards that. And it was, it's just been really hard to step away from that. When I still sometimes see some of those similar people again, um, but for those of you that are part of that, um, it's some of the things that I will say to be a little more clear on what it was that bothered me. It's the prosperity mindset and thinking that you just can make it work and that you're, you're blessed as you keep working and making it happen, which can be true. This is a principle of even our gospel. But it kind of goes with this idea of prosperity, if you've ever heard of prosperity preachers, um, you know, in Deep South. And this is kind of along the, I, the, the lines of like Rachel Hollis and I used to watch and listen to and read her books. And she was during that time when I was trying to make this happen for me, my own business. And I really liked her, but I had also seen she had kind of taken a turn and her family life was not doing well. 
and she just seemed a little bit off and there were some things that she would say that wasn't um, very aligned with what I knew her to be before so she was kind of changing and thinking she was better than people and even said it that blatantly <laughs> so it, was, it kind of was a little bit sour tasting but this whole idea of the prosperity preaching that yeah you're you can do it all you can make it work you can work from home you can have the kids you can be near your kids which is all great blessings but sometimes it's just not the case to have all those things to a point where you're not realizing your own realities and what it will take to get to that point and sometimes they do that in order to promise and bring you into a program that you will get that promise if you just invest a little bit more um and yeah it's it's not, I feel like, up to us to make our prosperity grow. It's up to God. We try. We make it go. Um, we make it start, but God is really in it, and He needs to be helping you through. And it's a lot of times people just think it's going to happen if we just push our way forward and go and go and go, and it's keep marketing, keep putting more vulnerability out there, keep being... Um, a lot of time into it. So it kind of felt a little bit of a cult following with the group, even amongst um, the LDS group of the coaches. It just felt a little bit of a um, too much of a tight knit um, feeling that didn't feel as um, expounding on the gospel principles when they clearly can use their platform to be saying more of those gospel principles. They kind of leave it out, use more of the psycho psychology terms. I didn't really believe in that. They they didn't they had some good that they could to do in that and they don't. Um and that it could be really expensive to be a part of these groups and masterminds and these just the one on one ticket um tickets are really high in price and online courses that I feel like it's so great. All this self help is really good, but that's why I'm saying it's it's to a certain level it can it can cross over into just being more about how you can be your own savior. And I don't believe in that. And even the coaching itself, I think, I don't think coaching's the end all. And it's not like I don't think I would ever do it again. But for some reason, it may just need to have some sort of up-leveling. Maybe it'll be the millennium where I can feel like there's a difference in what it can be and help people with. I'd like it to be more one-on-one, face-to-face. -on -face. And I kind of have a little bit of glimpse of what it could be by, I have seen an actual therapist, coach, gal, um, that yeah, she's more like a coach. She's not a therapist. She's not been certified for that, but she did it out of her home and it was guided by love and it was you you pay what you feel she has like a minimum way that you pay and it's really reasonable for like three hours. It was like a hundred dollars. But she was there to help and really help you understand and feel the love of what you need in that moment and guiding you to a place in all that conversation that we can, and me of course, unloading a lot, that I can get better. And she talked about the Savior all the time, the Spirit all the time. And I, I kind of had a glimpse of what it really can be in the future, of any way to help others. It's just so much to involve the gospel. There's just no other way. And that a coach, a therapist, those people are only means to help the people recognize even more and more that it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that brings them to that place of healing and happiness. So for homesteading, I felt like um, at the beginning of the year, I needed to take my time to really start searching. I had, for the past two years, we wrapped our brains around it, 
um, a little bit more as as every month will go by and I talk about it, but not doing the actual physical searching, being active about maybe we will actually place an offer if something really comes up. So that was that was really exciting at the beginning of the year to be able to think this is the year. It feels right. We're ready. We're a little bit more saved up. And yeah, and so I started doing that and it became a big process to really take that time to go to places, to talk with people, understanding where certain properties are good and when they're not at certain places that are not good. Um, all those different intricacies of homesteading and if we wanted to build or buy existing or if we want it to be this many acres or the fewer acres, um, depending on what we can handle and water shares or irrigation or even not having it. Um, and if there are neighboring schools nearby that are good for my kids. So, so just all those things that I felt like I needed to spend a lot of time on and really turned to the Lord in prayer about. And I, I felt like it was going well for a while and then it really started to be hard because I felt the adversary after me and our, my husband and I weren't getting along with it and he was also, I was trying to do it in a way of gentle persuasion. Anything that ha anything that you feel very, very um, passionate about, um, that I had actually been work keeping it dormant for many years, um, that I knew I wanted to finally come to fruition and we can't be in this home forever. It feels like we need to go and I've had the spirit tell me it's time to move forward. Whether that be the homestead or not, definitely I think and I felt that God said yes it would be great if you wanted to do that. Um, whereas it's hard when my husband wasn't totally on board. Um, he's just more to doing the day-to-day -day things. He's sometimes in survival mode. He works a lot. Um, but sometimes that's it, how it goes with one marriage or the other. And how they talk about with sharing the gospel with others, you do it through gentle persuasion and not by force. And if I was really going to get this, um, get this dream to come to fruition and help him understand how we can maybe make it work even together, some of a version that he would be okay with, I had to figure out the perfect place, perfect recipe to make it happen. But the adversary knew about it and was definitely always on top of me on it. And I could feel, I could feel like the demons after me. And there were some really dark times. I can't understand why it got to that point when I wasn't doing anything wrong, like forcing my will upon us moving and really doing something secretive, like putting down the money without him knowing. But I could tell it, it was definitely out of my control. Someone, something was after me and my husband, and wanting to tear us apart, honestly. And uh, also some old past stuff coming up for us, but um, it's a long story short. Um, I finally, for a whole month, I remember thinking, I can't believe I'm back to maybe some depression days again and some really dark times. And um, it finally came to a point where it let up and I felt that things were coming becoming better for us and I even just stopped the looking altogether I'm like I'm not gonna look anymore if it's really gonna divide us and if I'm really even feeling this depressed and not feeling like I'm worth it then I'm just not but it finally did let up and I felt God tell me and I had to and I had to be very um, humble through it I just had to keep trying to rely on him 
um, and how I interacted with him. Um, and I finally got to that point where God, God was happy with me knowing that I had passed some sort of test, whether he put me through it or the adversary, I don't know, but I felt him tell me, you did a good job, you, you did so well. And um, that was very encouraging to me to know that he, he's been with, her, with me the whole time. And um, it can happen as you just keep pressing forward. Um, and even when it feels really dark and you just don't understand why. And sometimes I feel like I should feel like I've won the lottery of life. I do have a good husband. I do have a beautiful family. I do have a good place to live. Um, but sometimes there's just more beyond the veil than we can understand. And I, I know that to be true. It's not to be any testimony for us to not do our best and know that we're just dealing with demons and that's just why we have life the way we do but to keep trying but so that combination of me still trying and also believing there's and knowing there's something beyond it that I I have to be cognizant of <laughs> that it also it, it all came together and he has given me those compensatory blessings right now and I was open to being instructed and learning and trying to learn that lesson and be humble and fasting and praying and trying to wait till it, for it to let up those feelings and um, it did. I was the open being open led to, led me to have those blessings come back and I was just so grateful for that. And um, lastly, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, talk a little bit about homemaking because through all this year of unraveling the business the fun of still looking for the homestead even though it sounds like it was just really hard it was still fun it was hard but it's been fun and we are building right now our builder is doing it for us and um yeah it it's been beautiful you can hear them right now i i wake up in the morning thinking more outside to them and to how I can help these little ones and help bring them closer to Christ like I talked to you in that time before. And um, it's so, like like they say, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And that's how we're thinking about right now with Christmas time, right? That as I keep giving, and there's a lot of giving and a lot of sacrifice, that it's worth it. And there's those beautiful moments that you could tell it's been worth it. And um, I am busy doing the housework. I have to make sure our animals are taken care of. We have a couple of pets. Um, I have to do the yard work. I have to go get the mail. I have to go do the groceries. Um, keeping up on, the, on our budget and our finances. Um, working on my calling. Trying to be neighborly with those around me here in this neighborhood. Um, trying to be there when I get a call from school that someone had an accident and being able to have that time to go pick them up. It's been a big blessing to be a homemaker and to be home with them and to then take the time for myself to go on a bike ride, read my scriptures, say my prayers, take time to make maybe a chicken stir fry that is healthy for me. <laughs> Things like that, like that. I wouldn't, I wasn't as well able to do when I was working 
with the coaching. Of course, if I have more time, it's gonna always lead to some better things for self-care and better for my family. My kids at the time did see that I worked on hard things, so that was really good, and I really believed in it. And I, I created a beautiful workbook, I think, that helped some people. I created a course that helped a fewer amount of people because it was a bigger thing for them to purchase, but I did some coaching at the time and blessed their lives, hopefully, and I wanted to share about intuitive eating to help them become on a better path, and I still have some random clients t text me and say, you know what, it's been my year anniversary, and I'm just so grateful that we did what we did together, and that just really helps me understand that there... There was a good purpose for all that I did there. And they're just so grateful they have found this new way of being. And it's allowed them to have the spirit more in their life. Because now they're not so focused and self-centered on what they're eating. And how much exercise they got. And what their body looks like that day. It's all for that good. Right? Of coming to Christ. And becoming a little bit more like him. And what they would have, both our Heavenly Father and him would want us to do. With that time, though, involved, I've been able to put towards my family because I did take a good few, three or four hours, you know, most every weekday to work on that. And so coming up to about 15 to 20 hours a week on putting towards the coaching. And that was rewarding and also hard and also discouraging sometimes when it just didn't always work out. But, um, it's it's a peace that I have never felt in the whole time. I, I guess it must be the right way right now. Because I feel more peace than ever knowing that I'm where I need to be with to being at home with my family. But it goes against what the whole world tells us. And if you're working, that's okay too. I'm, I'm just saying this from my experience. If you're working home, that's okay. But just for me, it's just it's been the best to not be. And it could change. And I know it may be more of an opportunity to do so once my little one finally is in full-time school um that I'll be able to maneuver and change to a, a way that I can maybe bring in some money and it probably will be the case if I ever did want to finally put in a chicken coop a fence maybe really landscape parts of this raw land that we're about to have here in a little bit when we finally move out there so those are it's all depending on time there are times and seasons and it'll all work out and um, it's all been about this open feeling and really knowing that God wanted that for me. And it was hard to let go of. I missed having and missed having that sense of accomplishment, um, the camaraderie with other people online and the coaching. And um, But I just, when you know something to be true, you have to do it or else it becomes a sin against you. And for me, it became that way. I had, knew I had to not go further. And that was um, good, but I'm so grateful now for it. Um, now, with the millennium, I kind of want, like I was saying before, I believe we are to take whatever talents that we are blessed with to then bless the world around us. And that's going to definitely be what we do in the millennium. And this is going to include so many things. And a lot of people will still have their same jobs. There will be some people who don't. Like, I feel like there won't be as many dairies and ranchers because we won't need to... Well, we'll probably be using milk, depending on how nicely we treat the cows. But <laughs> There's so much to it, so I'll go into it. But we're not going to be eating meat. We're not going to be... We're also not going to need law enforcement. We're not going to need as many 
doctors and people because there's not going to be a sickness. Um, um, we're not getting mortuaries. We're not going to need um, as much counseling, I guess, because there won't be like all the trauma. I still feel like there will be, and I think, like I've told you, I think I could still do some good coaching and um, my, that side of doing some sort of therapy work with people because of all the, the trauma that we went through before the millennium that people are going to have to work through. Like they say that there may be this thousand years to work through. Some people think sometimes think, think there are irreconcilable differences of others, but there's so much time to be had that it can actually probably work out if we um, help them out through the millennium. And that our bodies will be up-leveled to a sense that we will live to the age of a tree. We'll be living to 100 years old, as it says in the scriptures. And then we'll be twinkled. We'll be switched. And I think it's wonderful. We'll be able to get old. And we'll be able to... You know, I, I like the idea of res being resurrected. But I, I kind of... Part of me still wanted to go through that aging process. Like, I... I've always thought, and I've always pictured myself still being that white-haired grandma at some point, you know, and how beautiful that it is to have that experience. It's all about, you know, how Eve felt when she took the fruit, and I want the opposition in all things. You don't want to just have it be blah, <laughs> right? Um, so I feel like with Christ being the one to reign and rule, he is going to be the government. He is going to be our supreme king. And all these, there will be good people in the world. And I feel like there's going to be a lot of work to do. And some people, and Brad Wilcox talked about this, um, that 2 billion people will join the church at some point. <laughs> pretty much. You know, he's, he's kind of grabbing, he's grabbing a number, but a big number, which is probably pretty true. That once Christ does come, he's going to tell everyone, I want you to join this church here. There, there are all these churches, but this one is now that is the true church and has been. And finally, all the, all the adversary against the church and people not believing it's true, um, will finally be, will finally be proven that it is. And he'll say, "The Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter Day Saints, is my church. I've been guiding this whole time." And now there'll be many people who will be that. Um, that after our Savior knowing and believing in Him, that they will they will want to be baptized. It won't take much time. But then there'll be some that will still need to take time. There's still good people, and that's okay. There'll still be other churches around, um, even even as far even as the more far-fetched churches of Hinduism and all that. Not just the Protestants and the Catholics, like that still believe in Christ. But even just more of those churches that aren't even part of Christianity will still be there because they're still good to it. But then it still has to be brought and come to a hold that this is the true church. And they need to, they will make their choice eventually because they are good people. Um, it's a long time. It's a thousand years that we can all figure that out. And all the his family history that will be done. I just, I like to think about these things with the millennium. Because um, I, maybe I'm a little nerdy as I see things through the lens of what's that going to be like for the millennium in this way. Like the other day I went to the movies and I went and saw the movie The Shift and I really liked it and it was cleaner than most all the movies ever like when it involves a dystopian world and um, has some drama and action 
and I feel like this might be kind of like the millennium. There's an up-leveling to even our entertainment that we can go see some good quality adult movies that are a little bit more serious and have some action to it, but is it but isn't dark to a point that we can't handle it. Like you can see all the time on all the streaming services right now and movie theaters and I just thought maybe Angel Studios is gonna have a lot of a lot of cool productions through the millennium. I thought about that and I thought that's gonna be pretty cool. Um, and any other production companies that may come forward and you know be able to give us that entertainment during that time because they will inspire us and make us want to become better. Um, maybe I should talk more about the shift sometime. That was a really good movie. Um, but it's it's I try to, I'm trying to talk about it in the sense that it's going to happen. Help, help, having us really believe that this will happen. The Savior is coming, and when He comes, thus that we also, if we really believe that, we also really believe that there will be a millennium after. Whether we made it through, through all the calamities, we don't know. I don't know what is to come. There may be a lot of hardships before that point when He finally comes and we have the millennium, but then whether I made it through and then I live through the millennium, or I'm resurrected and then I live through the millennium. Um, and either way, it's going to be beautiful and we're going to be there, right? I'm hoping so. I'm really hoping I can make it to that point. And um, that it gives me inspiration and hope. I guess it's not just about talking about it for the fun of it. It's, it's really tactile. It's something that I'm really, it's helped me see and know that it's a reality that I, even what I'm doing and using my time for today is preparing me for being a Zion person that lives in a millennium, that lives and uses even a thousand years. As much as that time is a lot and I could probably, I'll be just fine with the amount of time I have that I'll still want to use every minute of it, any, every minute of it as a good, as good and using it wisely. And so that's kind of what I wanted to share today um, as far as the millennium goes and anything else. I think, I think there was this here, as far as some careers and ideas go, oh, this is what I want to share. Um, as far as why I also think the millennium is closer is because of the way the church is changing things right now and has been for the past, you know, five, six years. It's been, ever since President Nelson has been a prophet, he has been very, he's been very progressive and has obviously been led by the Lord to know what we can do to prepare for the second coming, prepare for the millennium, to prepare for how we're going to handle two billion people joining the church in one day. <laughs> but um, part of that I've seen is even just, so I'll start with most recent. So the manuals for the Come Follow Me has all turned into one manual, whereas before it would be four different manuals. There would be the primary, the individual and families, the adults like Sunday school and then um and then youth am I getting that right tell me if I'm wrong and correct me in the comments but there's those four manuals for all the people and the church had to do four different manuals and in like 70 different languages which turns out to be so many different publications whereas they're trying to main mainstream it and I think for good reason to make it less confusing for those that join the church. Oh, there's one for kid, little kids. There's one for, like there'll be so many people that we'll have to get down to the basics of the gospel that when we'll be okay with that, knowing 
that we're all just on one page. Even little children can understand this principle in 2 Nephi that we are redeemed by our Savior. We can help help them learn what that means to have our Savior save us. And up to those that are more advanced in their understanding of the gospel. It can be taken in all those ways, but to have it be done in one manual, I think is very smart and that they're doing that for a reason. So this was just within this past week or two that they've announced that. Um, uh, about a month ago, they made more missions, about 30 more missions in the world or something, like a lot. <laughs> and um, it's just in incredible. And to think why, too, because if there's gonna be that many people joining the church, Maybe they're not all there to their capacity right now, but they will be when all these people are more interested in the gospel. And thus we'll already have all the people in place, all the, all the leadership, the mission presidents, the amount of missionaries, the way that all the, the areas are served and helped. It'll, it, this, the Lord is, does things in an orderly manner and it's, it works out. And these recently talking about the ward and stake requirements, I think it's incredible. I think it's incredible how they are changing their requirements to make a ward from, I think, 300 down to 200 people. And now they're, and it always had, I think it always had to be that there needed to be 20 different uh, priesthood holders, but they're just bringing that the amount of people lower and with stakes as well that they need to, needed to be 3,000 before another needs to be 2,000 make a stake. Thus again I feel like that's something preparing for us for the millennium that we we will just have so many people in an area we'll need to make them smaller so we can really group people well enough and take care and we'll and take care of what the who those new members are and to teach them and bring those people to the gospel and to our Savior um, and it's, it's just beautiful at thinking, if you look at it through that lens, it feels more beautiful and wonderful. And the temples as well, there's just so many temples, obviously, because we're going to be doing so much work and a lot of people are going to want to do their own work. So that's kind of what I thought about. There's probably even more of these ideas of how the church is changing right now in order to prepare us more for the millennium. Mention anything that you know down below in the comments. But I am so glad to have talked to you guys today, sharing a little bit more about my, sharing a little more about my life and what I've gone through this past year, about my experiences with temple, the temple and my motherhood, um, coaching and the millennium. It's it's been a good talk. So thank you for listening, and I hope you have a merry Christmas, and hope this is good um, conversation for you to be listening to while you're doing all your festivities, festivities or um, cleaning or driving. So. I love and hear other people and I love to hear what they say and I hope you'll keep joining me for next time and maybe we'll talk a little bit more about the new year next time and any other things that are on my brain. So thank you for listening and I hope you have a great day.